What's up guys, this is Zhishen here, and in this podcast series, I hope to talk more about the current affairs which are affecting us. Each week, I will select a particular incident and elaborate on how it affects us in Singapore. Similarly, I'll bring over guest speakers each week to discuss their views on a particular matter. Stay tuned! Hi, good evening, this is Zhishen here. And on today's episode of the New Fuse Juice, I'll be talking about how homosexuality was never a Western concept, and I'll be highlighting LGBTQ plus people in Asia's history. Firstly, let me debunk you this myth that homosexuality comes from the West. In 2007, during the Penal Code Review, NMP Siu Kim Yong presented a parliamentary petition to repeal 377A. This was met with fierce opposition by pro-family activists. A fierce advocate for the retention of 377A, NMP Teo Lian said of the repeal, If we seek to copy the sexual libertine efforts of the wild wild west, then repealing 377A is progressive. But that is not our final destination. We have no need of foreign or neo-colonial moral imperialism in matters of fundamental morality. The idea that homosexuality or any kind of LGBTQ plus identity originates from the West is rhetoric peddled by too many anti-LGBTQ plus activists. Even, even the firm pro-family, such as that, I mean, is used to shun and shame homosexuality and was an attempt to reject Western individualism. The pro-family rhetoric is less religious than it is cultural. It stems primarily from government-touted Asian values, or what we call our shared values. The idea that family is the basic unit of society. The framing of homosexuality as anti-family served more than just the perception that homosexuality was immoral. The overarching implication of this was that homosexuality rejected a fundamental Asian value. It sought to establish that homosexuality was fundamentally un-Asian, and by a certain extension, fundamentally un-Singaporean. Nothing could be further from the truth. In this, po- in this podcast, I seek to endeavour to, to prove that homosexuality and other LGBTQ+, inclinations, identities, and orientations are contrary to popular belief. Asian born and Asian bred. So, let me provide you with some evidence that homosexuality was present in Asia. So, in the region of Borneo, the Manang Bali were typically male-bodied shamans who adopted feminine dress and demeanor and took on as men as their husbands. They were respected by the Iban indigenous community on the large island, held roles of great ritual importance and were typically wealthy village chiefs known for their healing arts. And another example, the Hijra's region of India. A Hijra is a third, I mean the Hijra's concept in India. A Hijra is a person of a third gender community. Hijras include people assigned male at birth who may or may not undergo castration and modifications such as built with breast implants, as well as some, but not all. In the text people, 
and transgender women. He does typically dress in women's clothing, wear makeup, and take feminine names. Therefore, many Asian communities and countries have had some form of LGBTQ plus representation in their own culture. But many who now reject homosexuality share a common influence. Colonialism. For countries like India and Singapore, it was British colonialism that pushed homophobia, and its repercussions are still felt in Singapore society today. So, let me provide the context and history behind 3778. The year now is currently 1938. Sir Shenzhen Thomas discovers that two high-ranking European men deployed in Singapore have been caught in brothels with male Asian prostitutes. Sir Thomas, as the governor of Straits Settlements, was livid, not primarily because of the immorality of homosexuality or prostitution. No, this was a huge problem because white men were the ones fraternizing with these male Asian prostitutes. So, what was this viewed as a huge problem to them? Firstly, homosexuality was seen through the British eyes as unnatural, immoral, and most relevant, uncivilized. The white man's burden dictated that the white man has a responsibility to tame the savage native. How could he do that if he was himself engaging in such acts? Second, as Claire Laurie posits in sexuality, masculinity, and colonial power in Singapore and Darwin, the justification of colonial pursuit lay in a belief of the superiority of white manhood. White men constantly portrayed Asian men as Asian-like, feminized, and servile to preserve white male superiority. The possibility of sexual encounters between white men and Asian natives had the potential to destabilize the legitimacy of the colonial venture itself by breaking the myth of white masculinity as white men's belief in their supposed innate characteristics of authority, sexual propriety, and independence. So, there are two reasons which serve as a legitimacy and justification for the implementation of 377A. Homosexuality was seen as a temptation, one that would seduce the colonizer to the ways of the natives. As George Reddix writes in his Decolonizing Singapore Sex Laws, tracing Section 377A of the Penal Code. There's a need to modernize the colonial while staving off temptation for the colonizer. Therefore, serve as a plausible reason for the implementation of Section 377A in the Strait Settlements. However, before colonization, homosexuality was never regarded as despicably immoral in Singapore, as Mr. H. Gerald, one of the two men caught with male prostitutes, writes in his defense. In Singapore, this vice of homosexuality is peculiarly prevalent amongst both European and Asiatics. Moreover, it is not regarded with the same disapproval accorded to it in Western nations, because the Asiatic people regards this vice as no less natural than womanizing and conveying no greater stigma. Sir Thomas then discovers that this is existing British law with which to charge these two men with. Section 377. However, I mean, this is to prevent 
carnal intercourse against the order of nature. However, this would only be effective when intercourse was proven, which was terribly difficult to do in the 1938s. Thus, Sir Thomas decides to paraphrase from the Luxembourg Amendment of 1885 and create Section 377A, which would criminalize private and public homosexual acts. And this law is still in place today. So now, I hope the video allowed you to understand the history behind 377A and debunk the myth that homosexuality isn't a Western import. Homophobia is. On a personal note, I hope that Singapore would be able to accept the LGBTQ plus community and be able to be more open and receptive to them. I believe that no one should be discriminated based on their race, religion, skin color, and even their sexual orientation. As we must be as progressive and inclusive as possible so that everyone will feel welcome in our own society. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to the new Fuse Juice. If you like this episode, please share it. It really helps us a lot. Once again, it's Zishuan. Thank you. Bye-bye.